For once, I'm not the drunk one. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we like to watch some movies from our youth that some of us loved and uh, see if those movies still hold up to a modern viewing audience. We've got a guest with us today, but let's start by introducing our normal panel here. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Ash. I'm Sam. Mine's. And that's Bryce. So we've got a guest this week who's very sort of tied into the movie that we're talking about. So first, very quickly, let me throw out what movie we're talking about. This is a movie that I'm bringing to the table, a movie that I loved when I was younger, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast have seen the show, but have not necessarily seen the movie. Our guest this time around is a guy who uh, runs the Passion of the Nerd YouTube channel. He has a series of Buffy review videos called TPN's Buffy Guide, or simply The Buffy Guide, where he's reviewing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in video form. He's a good friend of mine from way back. His name is Ian Martin. Thanks for joining us, Ian. Hello. Ian, you're, of course, one of the big Buffy fans in our, in our world. But am I correct? You have not seen the original movie. I've never seen the original movie. And I never intended for the channel to be so Buffy centric. You know, I've been doing a different thing for my job and I just kind of wanted to edit something and put something together. So I made one Buffy video that has now snowballed out of control into this. uh, We're up to 47 now uh, for every for the first 47 episodes of the show. You've wow. completed the first two seasons at this point, right? I have completed the first two seasons, and uh, before we started this, I was writing the script for season three. So we Makes are sense. about the same level of Buffy watchedness. Now, you Sam, it was my understanding that you were a big Buffy fan. This isn't I, your first viewing, right? I have never seen this movie, but I love the show more than I should. But you've you've seen the show all the way through in the past. No, I just started watching. This is watch- your first viewing. This is my first ah. viewing of the show, my first viewing of the movie today. And I'm relatively new to the Buffy scene, but fell hardcore in love with it. How, how many seasons into the show are you? I think I'm about three and a half. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> it's, okay, between two and three is where it gets pretty good. Uh, like, that's where it finds its voice. Um, yeah. There's a big there. There's there's two types of Buffy fans. There's um, people who like the post high school seasons, and there's people who like the pre high school seasons, or or who huh. it's their favorite. I watched Buffy in my 30s uh, for the first time, and so post high school, she's paying bills, and there's like this existential crisis and all of this stuff, and so I identify with that the most, and I love those later seasons. I, yeah. I wish I could wipe it from my brain and watch it fresh the way you're doing now. <laughs> I love that feeling. I'm, you know, I'm super excited about it. I just, I really like the way Joss Whedon has written her character. Because yeah. I think it's really interesting that she can kick ass, but still have a feminine side. Which I feel like a lot of people, when they write women, they have to be one or the other. And mm-hmm. they can't be both. So well, I think Joss is one of those people who really started changing that. Like him and JJ have really kind of steered a change in that, I yeah. think. Yeah. And, and I, Brian Michael Bendis as well. Some people don't uh, the the way to write a strong female character is not just to make her violent. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah. that's a, that, that's a short sell to masculinity and femininity. Um, because it suggests that the primary male attribute is violence. But, uh, anyway, I agree with you. Yeah. So Brett, you're on the same page as Sam, I would think. Yeah. I've, I've seen a few more episodes of the show than Sam has, uh, cause I watched it when, you know, whenever it was on TV when I was younger, but, uh, I haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of it and I definitely haven't seen this movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I like the show so far, as far as we are into it. Uh, so I'm hoping that the uh, the movie will be just as good. And Ash and Bryce, have you seen any Buffy content at all? I have never seen Buffy anything. Ugh. Like, I think no. I've maybe seen clips of Buffy, but I don't think I've ever actually seen Buffy anything. How about you, Bryce? I'm in the same boat. Yeah. So, uh, But I will say that, you know, what Ian, what you were saying about relating to that I just recently, Bryce and I just recently rewatched Friends. And of course, I saw Friends when it came out, but I was in high school. And now rewatching it again, where I'm their age range, I relate so much better to those characters. So I'm interested to see, you know, if I feel similar to you, where if I were to watch the show, I would relate better to the post high school scenario. Yeah. Well, and in the later seasons, they deal with tragedy and you know all sorts of stuff and whedon is adept at hurting your feelings (laughs) i mean yeah so what's interesting to me too though is there's been such if you don't i can talk buffy all day so i'll try i'll try not to 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 peak too soon nick but it's interesting (laughs) to me the um there's been whedon has so quickly come into the conversation through firefly and the avengers and all of that that i always thought that there would be a a big um draw to go back and watch buffy and angel and that does not seem to be the case people go watch dollhouse before they go watch mm. yeah uh, i have buffy. i have seen dollhouse <laughs> yeah I, exactly that's the one i've seen yeah so you have this lauded hardcore cult show that is beloved by people and they go watch dollhouse i i don't understand why that hasn't sort of trickled back down to buffy but i'm doing what i can with the channel the thing that i often hear about people when they talk about buffy is they're like yeah the first season you really got to get through the first season this the is first exactly season's where rough. i am like i watched the first season at ian's at ian's push and mm-hmm. i haven't finished the first season because it's terrible and i still haven't Shh. gotten past that hump <laughs> and I, I understand it will get better, and at some point I'll sit down and I'll tackle that. Mm-hmm. It's like the first season of Doctor Who, of the new yeah, Doctor Who. Definitely. Where it's super cheesy, but it has this wonderful charm about it. Yeah, where they've got literal fart monsters. <laughs> I hate I hate camp. Um, I can't stand the first season either. And there was a point in the first season where she's wrestling a puppet. Like that. <laughs> I stopped that episode after the cold open and yeah, walked the, away. The the uh, the music's very dark and it's supposed to be exciting. I'm like, she's wrestling a puppet, and I had to call the guy that recommended the show. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know if I can get through this, man. And he said, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going, and I did. But just the reason I brought going. it up was I just wonder if the movie in any way reflects uh, badly on the legacy of the show. Yeah, I, let, let's talk about the movie for a moment, because what we're dealing with here, I think, is very interesting. It's it's one of those rare cases where everybody has seen this newer version, and so many people have not seen the, the original version. 
And one thing that I really respected about the first season of Buffy is that they didn't really take time to explain the concept. Some shit went down in her high school, in her old town, and now she's in a new town. And also she, she kills vampires. And so everybody who's a fan of the show, everybody's a fan of the show has kind of skipped past the basic setup of the whole idea, which is what this movie is. Um, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see you who love the show seeing, oh, this is the initial setup to it. There's yeah, probably there, not a lot of surprises, but... I've I've read that Whedon, as much as he hates the movie, which we can talk about afterwards... Interesting. Um, ...considers the movie lore, uh, part of the lore. And there are oh, references. Absolutely. there are references in the first season to her going to Hemery High School, um, which I know is the high school in it, and the, the events of the movie itself, so... It's. It, I'm. I'm Cannon. interested to see what happens because, uh, yeah, I did not like the series uh, all the way up until uh, the end of the uh, the judge arc. Yeah, uh, mid season two. Yeah, and so yeah. I mean, there was a lot to, that I didn't like. That there. that is the Lots hook. That mid season two is the turning point where they kind of went, uh, where I feel like the writers went, oh, this is what we could do. We could do this with these characters. And it kind of blew my mind a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember that it. moment. I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering if any of that, I mean, the the. I'm wondering if, it's hard to talk about that without spoiling it, which we don't want to do, but I'm wondering if any of that backtracks to the movie itself, but we'll see. So, uh, you know, I, I was really thinking about what's the precedent for this? Like, where have I seen this before? And I think that MASH is a really good example. You know, I grew mm. up enjoying MASH. And the first time I saw like Elliot Gould or Donald Sutherland mm-hmm. in the original movie, it's weird. But you know what? They're really, really good. And the original movie is so different from the series. Right. So you've got these actors playing this part that you love. Mm-hmm. And then you've got different actors playing a different version of those characters that are right. also really good. Yeah. And and I hope you guys give Christy Swanson a chance. And and it's funny, we're talking about, again, Donald Sutherland. You know, he was involved in MASH. And I know that Donald Sutherland's character is not in the TV show, but he kind of is. Like, they just basically replaced him with a different character. Sort of. Um, Whedon, uh, this is he has another... the same job. I don't, again, I don't know if you want how much of the backstory you want beforehand, but Whedon actually despises Donald Sutherland, and there's a reason we'll, we'll <laughs> oh, bring yeah. up after the movie. But the character, he, the the role he plays in Buffy's life at Hemery High School is played by a different character, not a right. different actor, but a different character at um, Sunnydale. I feel like the movie to series thing, the shock too, happened for me with Stargate. Where I watched the oh, series yes. and then I went back and watched the movie and I was like, what? Those actors always felt very different. Like yeah. Richard Dean Anderson compared to... Uh, yeah. Isn't Christopher Walken in it or a guy that looks so much like Christopher Walken? Kurt Russell. So. The main it's one's e- Kurt Russell and uh, yeah, James Kurt Spader. Russ- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's James either Spader. Christopher Walken or Booth. Is that right, what Nick? James Spader is known for? Ultron? <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> right yeah spader spader in stargate and spader in ultron are two completely different people that guy is amazing yeah well, spader he's amazing. is one of the most amazing actors ever yeah. period so that that is a great example stargate and also i was thinking about hannibal lecter like people who are watching the current show or even the uh the um 
you know, science well, Hannibal, of the lands. Hannibal's really interesting because Hannibal is um, a reinterpretation of the original source material. It's not a spinoff of... Right, you uh, mean the new show. Yeah. It really goes back to the books. Yeah. Like, if you go back to Brian Cox, like, Brian Cox, to me, is Hannibal Lecter. Even <laughs> though the fewest possible people have seen him, I thought he was fantastic. But now everybody looks at Anthony Hopkins and people are starting to look at Mads Mikkelsen and just three very different versions of that character. Yeah. And to me, Christy Swanson is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I, I hope that people who love the show can, can accept her and don't like just immediately turn their backs on her. Uh, we'll see. We're going to fight. I'm very, fight I'm, very, I'm very protective of my show. <laughs> so let's set just a little bit of context My here. show. He's... It's, uh, it's, it's 1992. Mine. It's one year before 1993, which we've established as like the core year of movies. For Sam and Ash. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast so far, every single thing that makes up their personalities came it's from 1993. Excuse so me. this is uh, one year for two movies. God. And if you were a 16 year old girl in 1992, which you, I wasn't, you had a poster of Luke Perry on the wall. Yeah. So you've got to look at Luke Perry as the defining teenage heartthrob. If you were a 16 year old girl, you love this guy. You've got this this young kid whose father was a sitcom writer who kind of got him an in as a sitcom writer. And he worked on a couple seasons of Roseanne and started getting getting some recognition. And he writes this script for a cheerleader as a vampire hunter movie. And this is a young Joss Whedon. And this is like the first time he's really done anything significant. Nobody's heard of him. And he did what I think is one of the most brilliant moves in all of, of television and movies. He somehow managed to own the rights to these characters and story. The writer of the film, a, a writer for hire, kept the rights to these characters. That, so that when the show comes around, he owned everything for that show. That is incredibly hard to do. Yeah. Talking with um, the amazing Stephen Kyoto. The Kyoto brothers did not get to keep the rights to Killer Clowns, and they mentioned talking with Jack Black, and Jack Black did not get to keep the rights to the Tenacious D movie. That's amazing. Wow. It's just something that doesn't happen very often in Hollywood. And so now the Joss Whedon that we know, I think like the core thing that launched his career is that move right there. That put him in a position to make Buffy happen, to make Firefly and Angel happen after that. And I think this is a very important moment for, you know, a guy who we, most of us really love as a filmmaker and storyteller now. Oh, well, I have, I think there's one more thing to factor in, and that is the next movie that he was a writer on, which Alien was Resurrection? Toy Story. Toy Story. Yeah, he was one of the screenwriters on Toy Story. Wait, yeah. he wrote he, Toy Story? He's one of the, he's one of two oh. screenwriters uh, on Toy Story. And then, to, oh, then he went on to Titan oh. AE and, and so forth. But and Alien Resurrection. Being a part oh. of Toy Story uh, was a big deal. Yeah. No, no yeah, that's offense, crazy. but those that. those uh, going from Toy Story to Titan AE. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> and, Ouch. and I encourage everybody. I hear a, I tell this to a lot of people. A lot of people take a dump on Alien Resurrection. I think it's fantastic. I think and it's I great. Think, I think if you go back now and watch Alien Resurrection for what it is, which is an episode of Firefly, 
it is fantastic well, as an episode of Firefly. If you, if you pose Alien Resurrection as from written by Joss Whedon and from the director of Amelie, yeah, it <laughs> tends to blow blow people's minds. And then you yeah. can kind of go back and see, oh, okay, that is a whimsical Alien movie. Yeah. It's very bizarre. And every director brought their own flavor to Alien, mm-hmm. and I, I think Alien Resurrection is fantastic. So there's not much to say about. Um, about Fran Kazooie, the director of this film. This was her second movie ever. Best friends with Banjo. Well, Banjo's sister, right? Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> um, she also but... has that laugh, right? <laughs> Fran Freshers. Oh God. <laughs> so she never did she never directed anything after this movie and she did do some producer work on the Buffy and Angel series. Well, that yeah, the, you mentioned earlier that that Joss managed to retain the rights to Buffy and that's partially true. Um the director what's her name? Fran Fran Kazooie? Fran Kazooie um Kazooie? actually helped Whedon raise the money to pay for the movie. Um and so she owned Whedon owned partial rights, and she owned partial rights as well, which is why her name, uh, along with her production company, is listed on every single episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. In the credits, she's listed as an executive producer, even though she did nothing on the television show. You mean like uh, Martha De Laurentiis for all of the Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs stuff? Uh, Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I always thought that was amazing. I was like, why, why is she listed on every episode of Buffy? There's 140 episodes, and her name's on every one of them because she helped uh, direct that movie. So I think that kind of sets up a lot of information about that movie, gives you sort of a time and a place. One more thing I wanted to mention. This was maybe two, three years after Pee Wee Herman was arrested for masturbating Aww. in a movie theater, oh, and Pee-wee. everybody was sure his career was over, which was kind of interesting going into this movie. Is he in this movie? But with that in mind... (laughs) (laughs) On that masturbation note, let's go watch the movie. So if you've not seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, now would be a good time to pause the podcast and check it out with us. And by the way, we have not been able to find Buffy the Vampire Slayer on any streaming media service. It's not on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, anything. This does Um, not bode well. Yeah, so you're you're if you really want to check this out, you have to pick up the DVD or Blu-ray, which is available from Amazon, so you can order a physical copy, and that's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer and join us after the movie. Let me rest in peace. All right, so you know, as we were watching the movie, I think I got a pretty good preview of of reactions of what people are going to say. But I want to come out of the gate and say that I thought that movie was fantastic. Oh Jesus! It was not one of the best movies that I've seen, but I think it's really great. And and I've already got some uh, some some weird looks from people. It it was so- not one of the best movies I've seen, but it was a movie <laughs> that I have seen. <laughs> My God. Also, you couldn't make it through the first season, but you came out of that movie loving it. Seriously. Yeah, what Nick? is wrong with Seriously. you? <laughs> well, what this, the fuck? This movie felt like a good idea. And, and it was interesting, Ian, what you said before we started recording or before we watched the movie, that they really had to scrounge to get the money to produce this movie. And yeah. I think that shows too. It's a good idea that they really didn't have money for. 
If, so everything that's flawed about this movie, I think, boils down to them not having money for the production. I uh, no disagree. money for production, no money like... for actors, no money for directing. Oh, I don't know. That had uh, an amazing cast. Ben Great Affleck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like Principal it, Milton. <laughs> it boils down to oh. bad direction, in my opinion. I feel like it had such potential, and just the person I... in charge of making decisions had no idea of what it was supposed to be. There was some really fucking bad writing in this movie too. <laughs> I, I have a couple of I had a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, Joss Whedon is like David Mamet for nerds. Like the if you don't get the rhythm of the dialogue right, it sounds yes. terrible. Yeah. And, um, That's a point Sam no, was making. At this point, no one knew what Joss Whedon sounded like no one knew now that we've seen the Avengers and dollhouse and Firefly you know what a Whedon script is supposed to sound like none of those actors knew and he wasn't directing it so I don't know if it was bad dialogue but it it was bad that's for sure I think what we've got now with Joss Whedon like two things have kind of moved together his writing has improved and actors now know how to read his dialogue. Yes. I think that yes. came from both ends. But he just says, you bear the mark, and she just instantly knows what he's talking about? I didn't know How does she know that. what he's talking about? Because he yeah. was this creepy, like, perv dude. If you were on the street and some dude came up to you and was like, you bear the mark. <laughs> that, shit, that shit straight up works for an entire industry of astrologists. <laughs> <laughs> Which is bullshit that she it's knew bullshit, what he was talking but people, about. But people love it. Like, oh, you know something about me? You must be psychic. He was doing <laughs> yeah. a straight up cold read on her. You've got a spot. Like, fuck, I've got spots. Like, okay. I, I don't. The thing is, that scene didn't. That, that scene was fine for me. But I think there are other examples of just terrible, flat. What? What? Like when David Arquette is floating outside Luke Perry's window. I'm hungry. Open the window, man. Ah." And he's like, no, dude, something's off. He's floating. He's floating. And he has elf ears now. He did notice, though. The dialogue there was horrendous. (laughs) I mean. You're you're floating, man. Go home. (laughs) There was a germ of a funny idea there, but it broke somehow i think like that could have been uh dude your float like there, there's a way that that could have worked but it seems like no one who was making it got the joke i mean i i think it's very hard to nail down scene to scene what was broken about that movie because there are so many so many points where it could where it could have potentially failed whether it's bad acting bad directing or bad writing yeah. So I, I want to make sure the point that you made while we were watching the movie, Sam, is is in the podcast because I yeah. think it's a good point. We so Brett and I couldn't help but watch the movie and kind of imagine things going down with uh, actors from the show and how certain characters would have said lines differently to have made it significantly better. For instance, the um, kill you was kill you all the kill way. Them kill them a lot. A kill lot. them a lot, which I, like, I kind of like, liked. Yeah, like if Spike but it had, in the movie. Yeah, if Spike had said it, you know, he would have said it with his Australian accent, like kill them a lot, and it, and it would have been amazing. And like if Xander had said some of the lines, yeah, actually, if if and, Xander was like, "You're floating, go home." Yeah, like, <laughs> that, well, he, it he has amazing comic timing. There was no comic timing yeah. in the movie. The timing was just so broken in every scene. 
which could have been i mean there's another entry point for badness could have been the editing like not not cutting the lines close enough together to keep the brevity in the that this this show is definitely proof that the editing makes comedy oh yeah yeah (laughs) Or, or what about taking what was clearly just a a, a, a behind-the-scenes goof that Paul Rubens was doing with the the stake in his heart and kicking the wall, like, and yeah, actually we'll putting that. that in the movie. But yeah, like he, that was clearly him like goofing between scenes, and they put it in the film. It was like the funniest thing in the movie, but also completely unfunny because of the the mood of the rest of the movie. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the great Marshall Vandruff says one of the keys to comedy is mischief. Which I feel that this was written to have and just lacked completely. And if it had a little bit of like that mischievous sort of ideology going behind it, it would have worked a lot better in my opinion. Where it's a little bit tongue in cheek. I don't know. I, I think it had that. I think that the major flaw is that it didn't have that until the dance. And suddenly they tried to pivot and put that, that goofiness into it into the comedy without having planted that seed earlier. Also like Buffy's character, I feel like they played too strongly on the Valley girl side. Yeah. The mean girls aspect of it. Exactly. Like in the TV show, she definitely has that, but it's more of a desire to fit in. But that, that to me is exactly why this movie is so great it gives you the thing that you don't get in the show, which is the entire development of this character. It is the the vapid, hollow, valley girl cheerleader who goes through this growth, who t- goes on this hero's journey, who goes through this challenge to become the hero that we have when the show I'd starts. Like to submit, and this is an though, important part of her character development. The possibility that that's the least interesting part of the show like yeah. the, <laughs> but the most but the most important part you know i, I feel like the play, part that this movie plays yeah, yeah i mean like this, that's what the movie was for this movie is really the pilot for the concept of what the show is yeah, yeah but the show is all about like like oh like here's normal town and then it's fucking like vampire killing t- teenagers here and like how does the rest of the town deal with it and it's kind of like the ensemble cast really makes the show like i don't I, I don't really care about Buffy that much, really. Well, like, what they're, they're <laughs> lacking are her character counterpoints. So, yeah, there's there's no supporting cast. Yeah. I mean, Donald Sutherland was the only opportunity for it, and he so phoned that in. That was the worst death scene by an amazing actor I've ever <laughs> seen. The I don't know, eye flutter have... and like he gurbled half the, the dialogue and the rest is silence. It was like, uh, it, it was uh, until they mirrored that line at the end. I almost thought Donald Sutherland was like, this movie sucks so bad. I'm going to throw some Shakespeare in here to try and jazz it up a little bit because it <laughs> was so broken. But the, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was um, the reason that, that Joss Whedon has said he hates Donald Sutherland is because... Um, he made up half his lines. He changed half his lines during the movie. He didn't like the lines that <laughs> Whedon had wrote, so he just changed them to, to something else. And while you guys were having technical difficulties, I watched the the uh, featurette that was on the Blu-ray about the movie. It's 10 minutes long. They interview all the actors and the director about the movie. Donald Sutherland is in it for th- 10 seconds. And he says... 
I was having so much trouble telling people that I was in a movie called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's all he says <laughs> in the entire featurette. That's so why so did you take the role? <laughs> Pay bills. You could tell he's paying bills. The, the scene where he's talking to Buffy in the gym and he's kind of like boringly twirling that little watch thing in his fingertips. What's coming out of his mouth is brilliant Donald Sutherland. He has that gravitas and that that depth and weight to him. But he's sitting there sort of boringly twirling a little thing back and forth in his fingers. And I was just, it, he, the, every scene he's in, he's just, you're just like, you're just here to get a paycheck. I can see that. That's okay. Wow. Can you blame him for changing the dialogue, though? didn't get that rhythm that Joss was trying to write. And and he's like, I'm Donald Sutherland and I can do this better. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you're talking about the, uh, the Joss Whedon that was coming off of Roseanne. So it's not like right, a very young, immature. Ex- yeah, writer. exactly. So who knows what the, the original script looked like, but between the director changing it to a broad comedy, uh, Sutherland making up his own lines and no one really knowing what they're doing. You know, I just think it's hard to tell what the culprit was it was just a storm of badness i kind of like the idea that he was just there just not saying his fucking lines and they probably had like 50 takes just say your fucking lines it's like no (laughs) yeah and apparently he was a huge uh jerk to everyone on set the entire time just like yeah yeah you you make the point that like he that was the worst worst death scene from a great actor but I think it might have been beaten 30 minutes later with Rutger Hauer. That was a pretty bad death scene. How did he die? Oh, he... oh I think you just made my point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's bad and then there's utterly forgettable, which is the worst yeah. sin. Can we talk about the fact that they made a big deal about stabbing everyone in the heart? And like for most of the movie, she never actually stabs anybody. Yeah, in the like heart. not even one. <laughs> like yeah, not all even the close. Stakes miss. It's like that's a long shot. Even the Rutger Hauer one at the end, I was like, I'm pretty sure he just now has emphysema. Yeah, like, it's like a little wrong. too low. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing, that, the other thing that I kept thinking about during one addition they made in the show was when you stab a vampire in the show, the vampires turn to dust. Which was something they made up so that because Buffy kills so many vampires, they did, the writers didn't want to have to explain how where all the bodies go. Like, why are there so many bodies in Sunnydale? So if they oh, all they just got tur- detention. yeah, so if they all just turn to dust, it just, it's like oh, they don't have to explain it. They just go, they go away. But that to me, I sort of missed in this because if you stab anyone in the heart with a giant piece of wood, they're gonna die. Yeah, so yeah. Right. I agree. I, I felt like I was missing that as well. Yeah. So maybe there's a scenario where there were never vampires and Donald Sutherland just tricked this high school girl into stabbing people <laughs> with broken chairs. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> yeah. It was like the fourth to last dance of the year. It might've been the Halloween dance. <laughs> yeah. And so what's the deal with, and maybe this is a leap in canon that I shouldn't be nitpicking, but how many years was she in high school in the TV show? The, yeah. the, she's a sophomore in season one of Buffy, and that was another thing. I've had people comment uh, about how old the actors on the show look. <laughs> Christy Swanson is a freshman in this movie. Well, no, they were talking she's about that senior. being... She's a senior. Yeah, they were talking, talking about, about that being, being seniors. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so that doesn't make any sense. That's a piece of lore canon then that, that was different then between the show and the Are you the movie. surprised she was held back? <laughs> 
so back so far back that they said repeat the last three yeah. years well she changed yeah. schools and she did the matriculation test and they're like wait you said you were a senior oh no what does that say about <laughs> pasadena schools <laughs> I know. I bet was... they're probably they're probably in in the early nineties filled with so much vapid crap. I I would believe that. Yeah. Where where did she move to in the show? She she moves to Sunnydale, uh, uh, which is a you know it's not L A. Like he's just like okay Sunnyvale. It's we'll Glendale. No, I'm guessing it's like San Fernando area. It's got the Dale in it. It's got to be Glendale. No, it's not. But the the there were a few things in that like. Most of Whedon's stuff, and the whole reason that I'm able to do an episode guide is like he always is very ambitious with what the story is actually about, you know, metaphors and all that that stuff. And I think there was some of that in here, but it wow, did it thud! For instance, uh, vampire induced menstrual cramps. Yes, yeah. that was awful. That was so bad. And I can kind of guess what the intention there was like. It's like trying to be a Harry Potter and his scar and like the burning, but just well, it's like Highlander failing. when they can sense each other. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like, it was also like super creepy. I mean, yet another in like a really long line of creepy dialogue. It, they're just like walking through the graveyard. She's like, "Oh," and he's like, "Cramps." And it's like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. dude is being pretty creepy the whole time. So uh Luke Perry, is he like the most dreamiest? Oh, totally. Oh wait, 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 let me rephrase that. Like so totally. Super hot. Oh yeah. I did think Luke Perry looks like NPH with I, like brown hair and a goatee or whatever. I, I kind of yeah. saw it too. Like there's definitely some Neil Patrick Harris in there. I like Early how when Neil. he finally gets serious about things, he shaves off the soul patch. <laughs> Like, that's his big character-defining moment. <laughs> My arc is complete. The funny thing, uh, while I was sitting there watching, I was like, you know what is crazy? Is he's not the worst part of this movie. And if Luke Perry is not the worst part of your movie, you've got a problem. Yeah. I think he was great. I think Christy Swanson was great. I think she's <laughs> very, very good for that role. Hashtag not my Buffy. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just how I feel. I don't know. Uh, too vapid hi yeah high five who's the girl the actress in chasing amy because i feel like she would have been really good joey lauren adams for that role maybe so what do you think uh of rutger hauer's character in terms of other villains in the buffy series well uh, there there's (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i'm trying to think in terms of best case scenario um uh not what was on screen. So it may have been maybe intention. Um, there are better villains. There are far better villains in the series, and there are one or two worse. Um, there were a couple of scenes in that that, that to me, felt evocative of some of the episodes. For instance, when she has the nightmare, and it's pretty seamless, where she's putting on the ribbon in her bedroom, and she walks, and the camera pans around, and he's already in bed, and she just lays down on top of him. That was like a scene from another movie. I mean, yeah. the the way the camera discovers that Rutger Hauer is already in his bed, in her bed in that shot, I thought was really kind of cool. Um, and then she sort of wakes up, and it's like it's it's like a different thing. Um, he gets called the Master, which is not unusual for um, Dracula esque villains in that uh, movie by David Arquette. 
and the villain from the first season is called the master. So yeah, I noticed that. I think I I think there was potential there. Uh, I think his outfit was goofy. I, I again I think that there were problems between the idea of what it was supposed to be and the execution. That that floating scene. Yeah, where you could see the wires. I, yeah, I, and he, he just kind of like flips the cape open and like the vampire <sighs> diva like na 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 yeah yeah it was uh and that was weird a, little medallion he had later that was like a little on the nose like dracula halloween costume yeah it was a lot low budget the um uh the mean girls thing does make an appearance in the first episode one of the things that the writers that the say that they were guilty of in that first episode that thudded was to try and make up sort of a valley girl um, dialogue uh, to invent their own sort of valley girl language. And they, is that and, what the sitch was? Because yeah. that was awful. It was terrible. And they so do that horrible. Yeah, they stop do that. trying to make sitch happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> they do that in the pilot and then cut it completely. But in the series, Buffy acknowledges that she used to be more. Um, vapid and self-interested and so forth until what's his name merrick came along and told her that she was the slayer um and and since the slayer is sort of like uh, is supposed to be a metaphor for the transition to adulthood that is means that her being the slayer is the end of that sort of immaturity and that alpha schoolgirl thing so that is acknowledged in the show itself yeah i just i feel like in terms of her character there should have been like a hint that it wasn't truly her you know i don't know it just felt like too big of a switch from like zero percent thought process to like oh i'm suddenly training instantly with no sign that i have changed as a person yeah there's a there's a character in the show named cordelia that is supposed to be buffy's shadow self and she is the the version of that ditz um or mean girl for the show and she evolves over the course of the series into a, a deeper, more interesting, richer character. But one of the things that that the sh- you know that I sort of got out of the show the first time I experienced this with the show with a television show was oh this is what you can do with hours and hours and hours with characters. You know, yes. there's an episode of the show called The Body, which I won't spoil, but something occurs during the episode that meant so much to me because i had spent hours with these characters it was it was the first time that i saw something that i went this is something only tv can do a movie can't really accomplish this because i've not i'm i will never be as invested in in a character in 90 minutes as i am with these characters 50 hours later when that actually occurred on the television show. And that's more common now, thanks to Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and so forth. But Bubby was 1999 uh, or 98 when it first started. So, you know, looking at this movie, it's almost like, you know, considering it, the only way that you can look at this positively is by considering intentions versus um, the execution, you know, sort of what actually happened. Just going back to the Mean Girls comment real quick, I think Brett pointed this out at one point. Uh, I 
I th- I appreciated how the the Mean Girl Valley Girls knew so much about Dolby Audio. Oh yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> that, I wrote that. I was writing notes while I watched, and that was one of the things. Like she knows what THX is and cares. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so I I was sitting here thinking. Uh, I, I think there's a way to connect this movie and the series, like except for the character, the actual cast change. But the reason that the vampires didn't explode into dust in the movie is because th- they missed all the hearts and none of them died. <laughs> and that's why that guy was hamming it up oh, so much. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and they were all just... kind of like, but we did get our asses kicked a little bit. So we're going to just like chill for, until they They're leave. They're going to regroup for yeah. the, the television that, show. That's now head cannon for me. <laughs> Which, that's uh, that's means up here they, forever. The master didn't die and he's the same master yeah, from the, the first season. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just yeah. a little, little more ugly. Yeah, but, but man, there's. Go ahead. That's one difference between this movie and the show too. Is the the character change in the vampires? Where in the show, you know, they can they visually show when they're a vampire and when they're trying to impersonate a human. But that's not the case in the movie. And I feel like it adds a lot in the show because it adds this element of like you know suspension like oh is that a vampire or have they been turned have they not yeah, they don't have elf ears yeah the entire yeah, exactly. time was that what that yeah. was it just looked like maybe a rat chewed on his ear a little yeah, bit yeah uh, whatever pizza it was rat. pizza rat pizza it was, rat it was decided. A yeah it's always funny when you you see a character like that like the the vampire playing basketball that everybody in the movie is completely oblivious that that dude looks exactly like a vampire Hey, like everybody's so clueless. Except you know for Ben Affleck, was he was like, "You can have yeah, the ball." Ben vampire. Affleck was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but didn't that scene kind of have like uh, shadows of Teen Wolf? Uh, it was exactly what I thought of. I was like, yeah. "Oh, Teen Wolf's popular, so they must have shoehorned this in here." And that Except did. He that was did, a rat faced bad guy, but he did have very hairy shoulders. He did. He had that going for him, which is yeah. nice. He was both Teen Wolf and Teen Vampire. Super sexy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, but that was kind of a crazy cast. Stephen Root, uh, Rutger Hauer, Hillary Swank, Donald Sutherland, Ben Affleck, and Seth Green. Yeah, I we missed his cameo. Wait, where, yeah, where we was Seth, Seth Green? Green? I I feel like he was in like the the final fight scene. Yeah, he's one the... of the vampires in the final fight, and he's the <laughs> only cast member that was in the movie and the television show. <laughs> yeah, he was the first <laughs> vampire to get kicked in the face. Wow! When they came out of the building, what an honor! And then you never saw him again. Thank God. So usually at this point, I like to kind of go around the room and like get final, like, what did you think? What's your final judgment? But I'm thinking we got pretty clear final judgments. There's a lot of hate going on (laughs) for this movie. I I will say something positive, though. Okay. Um, um, Despite how much I did not enjoy this film, it made me appreciate everything that the TV series got right. So it has that going for it. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I, I, thought, the silver lining. I thought this movie worked it had a lot of flaws it had a very low budget it had a donald sutherland who hated the movie he was in <laughs> but that was pretty great i think it serves as a really good pilot for the tv series so i, I appreciated watching it but i will probably never watch it again unless i make a video review for the channel Bl- blu-ray well purchased all right. Uh, Brett, did you have any kind of closing thoughts? What, about the... 
Yeah, I mean, Sam kind of said... Oh, yeah, no, this movie sucked. I mean, I'm not even going to try to defend it like Sam. Uh, this was bad. <laughs> don't, don't, just just don't, and and we'll leave it at that. Unless Ash? you just did. <laughs> this was the one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, and I would like my time back. Thank you. <laughs> That's it? Yes. Bryce, what'd you think? Not good. Yay. All right, so that was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Was that uh, one sixth of us enjoyed that? Well, hey, um, I'm happy that it gave me the opportunity to join you guys. Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. It's very. I think it was as soon as I heard that you had not seen the movie, um, I was surprised, and I thought this was the perfect opportunity. And now we know why why he hadn't seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, uh, what I saw is pretty much the reason why I hadn't seeing the movie that was about as good as i heard it was going to be and i'm so, gr- grateful for the experience but so i imagine there will be no uh why you should watch Buff- buffy the vampire slayer the movie no, maybe video. an extended movie review like the twilight review but no <laughs> well if you are diving into buffy the vampire slayer the series and you want to follow along it's it's really fun to watch an episode and then watch ian's review afterwards um, so check out Passion of the Nerd, passionofthenerd.com, Passion of the Nerd on YouTube. Just Google the, uh, Passion of the Nerd. I'm all the top results. And the Facebook <laughs> is is a pretty popular group, right? Are you just the, the only passionate nerd? You, I guess. I don't know, apparently. But yeah, the Facebook group is the mo- most active um, community other than the comment section. Um, the comment section on the channel is bizarrely civil and polite and... <laughs> Everyone's nice to each other. It makes no sense to me whatsoever for a YouTube channel, but I'm I'm grateful for it. <laughs> Take what you can get, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you can follow Ian on uh, on Twitter with his horrible to communicate uh, Twitter <laughs> handle. It's at Ian, and then the word Martin sm- spelled backwards. Nits I- Ram, <laughs> I A N N I T R A M. So check him out on Twitter. Other other people involved in the Last Dash production stuff, uh, you can find my music and whatnot at uh, breadeagles.com. That's a food and a bird. Uh, and then uh, there's this podcast is part of the Last Dash TV network. There's all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, obviously, this show, uh, me and Ash have a drinking show where mm-hmm. we get super drunk. Um, and that's we that. might be hungover right now. Yeah, this is this is the From tail end of that. Drinking in the same day. <laughs> um, what else? It's uh, been that long. Hunger um, Dames. Yeah, there's the Hunger Dames, which is uh, my cooking show. We do video game parodies um, and all sorts of other fun videos. But also, you can follow us on Twitter and on uh, YouTube. And we're Laugh Stash TV on both of those. And then also it, you can follow Let's Rewatch, this podcast, on Twitter at Let's Rewatch. And if you have some movie suggestions for us, please send them on over. Yeah, because obviously we can't be trusted to pick out our own films. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Um, and But <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to do a shout out to thanks to all the people on Twitter who have been communicating Accio Brains, Frigan, Amy Khan, Rick Price, so many people. Thank you for following us on Twitter. And also, you can leave us an iTunes review. If you like this podcast, please go ahead and give us a review on iTunes. And if you listen to this podcast and 
did not like it lie please oh, look we have a second review on a second five-star review on itunes by tack thanks tack yeah <laughs> awesome well thanks thanks again ian for joining us and uh happy halloween uh look out for vampires as you're uh out there getting your free candy all right uh next time on let's rewatch hard ticket to hawaii is that a real movie <laughs> yes it is a real movie